Welcome back, everybody, to a brand new episode of the season two of Buzzing with Basa. This episode aired a few days later because some of us were busy. We're sorry for the delay, but we're happy to have you. And I hope you guys will enjoy this episode. We have a lot of good topics to cover today. But sadly, we're going to begin with our first topic, which is the topic of the day. The Bayern loss uh, in the Champions League. I have with us, uh, I have with me. Pulkit and Thomas are usual members. So, what's it going with you two today, Thomas? How are you? Uh, I'm actually really good. You know, um, I've got actually, I'm actually starting holidays. I've got a small two-week break. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna be uh, a bit less bu- less busier than usual. Um, yeah, uh, how are you, Pulkit? I'm good, Thomas. Good Sagnik. Uh, I'm gonna probably release my next song this evening. As you know, I'm a musician also. So hoping for that to go well, and uh, otherwise things are fine. Yeah. Yeah, guys, definitely don't forget to check out his channel. And yeah, we're just gonna hop on. Uh, we lost a three-nil loss to Bayern Munich, our first ever match in the Champions League. Yes, it wasn't unexpected. We did expect uh, a two-goal margin at the most, but a three-goal margin with without us even uh, scoring one goal was a little bit. Uh, disappointing, but uh, as soon as the match started, as soon as we saw the dynamics, we really saw what the setbacks were. But unfortunately, Coman didn't. The people uh, blamed a lot on the midfielders mostly, and even Alba. But uh, sadly, Alba, first of all, he wasn't uh, very fit. He wasn't at his hundred percent. He still played, and yeah, uh, many people were saying on Twitter also that if a player isn't 100% fit, why play him in a Champions League game? Furthermore, every match, uh, even against Athletic Bilbao, the only thing uh, that we advanced uh, made attacking progress. It was just Alba putting in a cross from the left, and every time he did that in the Bayern game, they anticipated it. And Bayern's defense, of course, it has very very good players: Sule, uh, Upamecano, and all of them. Uh, anticipated them easily, so we couldn't really convert anything. Plus, Luke De Jong was a little bit slower, a little bit sluggish, and he couldn't really uh, uh, go in place to receive all the uh, crosses and passes. Even Memphis had created a good chance past uh, to Luke De Jong in the penalty box, but he wasn't fast enough to get it. So yeah, there were several factors which contributed uh, to us have uh, having a collective result of zero goals in attack. But yes, I would like uh, to give Pulkit the chance first to go ahead and talk a bit more about the game. Yeah, so of course, an unexpected loss. I think Sagnik, you and I were the only ones who were a bit optimistic of Barca getting moving to stretch there out, out there maybe. But uh, as you mentioned, that in the previous two games we had only the attack only was coming from the left side. The reason partly for that is that we don't have a natural right winger playing for us, and you know my Demir Bay is doing too, and he should have started the game. Of course, we saw in the last 10-15 minutes or so uh, in the game that we kind of were playing a little better than we were in the first half when we went Coutinho. Demir, Gavi, Balde, all of these people came on, and uh, we were playing a four-three-three. We did not have a back three, although we saw Busquets uh, backing, dropping back a little bit to make it a back three from time to time. But we were playing a little better, and we had a, a better kind of width. Width also, we had 
more attacking prowess within us as was Gavi playing so maturely he's 16 almost i think he's 17 now but uh, you know so we could have started the game in that manner you know playing demir on the right maybe starting with um, gavi or maybe starting with uh, you know a 433 formation but uh, we didn't and we had to pay the price for it and the way we lost uh, of course it was very very embarrassing and uh, i hope we can change the things now what do you think thomas about the game <laughs> uh well i do agree with um a lot of stuff you're saying about the you know not no natural right wingers but yeah um it is uh, pretty embarrassing how we did lose um and you know we played a very uh, dull um, football defensively you know there's Kuman didn't really like instill any real mentality in there you know it was just defend and like no attack you know where like we had a front two of just Luke Dion who was really really slow and you know we couldn't really do much with um him in the attack cuz sometimes you put the ball uh, through to him but Upmakano and um Sula would be already be there and there was also a chance where we did um see a uh, ball played through to um Luke but uh, Pavard got to it first just showing how um slow Luke is and obviously it's you know not really like his uh, fault cuz you know yeah. but yeah when we're playing it counter attack our main attacking um sources counter attacking for playing in 352 or by the wings with um Jordi Alba um and if we're playing counter attacking we cannot um use Luke De Jong in there and obviously we didn't see Memphis actually um drop uh deep down into the midfield to create chances but that didn't really like it nothing really happened through that other than like him having to pass obviously to Sergio Roberto which wouldn't really do much in the end Uh, I'll start talking about the goals. So how we give we we gave um Thomas Muller way too much space um when he scored uh the first goal and I I don't think we should have actually given him that much because you know normal I don't think a team like an actual sensible team um would not really um leave that much space open for a player to shoot from there and obviously deflected off Eric Garcia and he turned his back into there where I think he should have just I actually tried to get get to the ball and like like block it um while actually looking at it cuz if you turn around like you don't know where the ball is going going to go so you can't control it and I think it was a preventable shot um by actually pressing uh, Thomas Muller and also you know Fede Garcia actually didn't turn around and for the second goal um it was off the crossbar from uh, the sidebar of a Musiala shot I'm pretty sure and Lewandowski got to it first um before Araujo and um Yeah, and for the third goal, it was also another sidebar um, chance uh, missed from Bayern, and obviously PK did um, go to the uh, PK tackled um, bef- like really quickly uh, early, um, and then Lewandowski got to it, and then he scored. And obviously in that situation, I think Alejandro Balde and also um, Araujo could have. They were both on the. I think Balde was like you know he was. more on the line when he shouldn't have really been on the line cuz Tersegen was already covering that area well Balde was just on the left you know he doesn't didn't really need to be there but obviously it's his first game for Barcelona so you know it's not really his fault but it's something you can like a mistake you could improve on and also Araujo you know I think he just there's no like it's better to pressure rather than just staying on the line when there's like no one really uh, out there So I think Araujo could have gotten um, off the line earlier, and yeah, I think that that's really my takes on it um, on 
the game. So yeah, turn back to you, Sagnik. Yeah, absolutely spot on. Uh, the defenders were well composed for the most part, but when you have a tactic which is just defend, defend against uh, one after the other onslaughts by a team like Bayern, who are even stronger, some people are saying, under Julian Nagelsmann. But yes, for the most part, the defenders did uh, did well, but repeated onslaughts like that without uh, any real counter-attacking other than from the uh, pullbacks, uh, Jordi Alba and Sergio Roberto, which was very well anticipated. You can't really expect any defense in the world to hold up for 90 minutes, uh, is there? Plus, there was also a little bit a uh, stroke of luck in uh, the goals of Bayern Munich. But that is not an excuse at all for Barcelona for not even scoring one goal. And Polkett, as you said, that we, uh, even in our previous podcast episodes, uh, we told that the, we will have problems uh, in the wings because up front, Sergio Roberto had no one to pass to. If Demir was on the field, then he would have had someone to pass to. We didn't really create uh, with the uh, midfield, which is one of the best midfields in Europe, Pedri, Busquets and Frankie de Jong. Uh, the main purpose they served was to just shuffle the ball to create some space and to pass it on to the wings. Uh, from where the attack, uh, from where the attack came, and you know very well that we, in the wings we only had Jordi Alba, so it was very well anticipated by Bayern. Uh, Coman showed no creativity, so we can't really, uh, what do you say, bl- uh, blame any single player. So yes, uh, it was uh, pretty. Uh, how do I say it? A pretty dull game of football from our part, and we didn't even. Uh, fix the mistakes we made in the first half. In the second half, the only good changes that came were after Alba was injured and taken off. Uh, it was out of compulsion, not really Coman's uh, real idea. Alejandro Balde bring on, bringing him on. Remember, Pulkit, we uh, said it in the previous episode that uh, it would be a good chance to bring on Alejandro Balde if Alba wasn't at his 100%, right? Definitely, definitely, yeah. Yeah, and even in our live uh, match watch along, uh, most of the things we predicted came true, right? And yeah. uh, even in the halftime analysis, if you guys didn't join us, uh, do it at least the halftime analysis. We put up visits and everything, graphs, uh, pass maps, all that. We analyzed it. And yes, uh, it they weren't really uh, hard things to fix for Komen. The mistakes, the drawbacks we had, our squad had, it was very easy to be fixed. And yet, the only changes that came from Komen were under compulsion. And speaking about Komen so much, it is our next topic. Uh, it's Komen's leadership. Well, if you can call it that. Well, first of all, uh, he's had some allegations from players like Pjanic, who after uh, going to uh, another team, the Beshkitas, he said that Ronald Koeman didn't even uh, watch him at trainings. He tried his level best to be noticed by Ronald Koeman and to be played in the first team. But apparently he had some sort of agenda and there were a particular group of players he wouldn't even watch train. So Pjanic was really heartbroken from that. And uh, the thing which we'll discuss today at length is what he said post-match about Mingeza and Roberto. He blatantly said that uh, Mingeza and Roberto uh, against Alfonso Davies wasn't a competition. And especially for a young player like Mingeza, who has all the potential in the world, Komen outright said that Mingeza isn't as good as uh, Alfonso Davies. Uh, and that, uh, in my eyes, he just said that to defend himself. And I don't think any coach should outright say that, especially about such a young player. 
he should provide him with confidence uh not really uh how do i say not really co- outright compare and call him a worse player than another particular player who is at his prime so yes many people are saying that uh, what he said is right but the way he said it isn't but it is very debatable and that's what we'll talk about today so pulkit what are your views on this well a manager has to back his player no matter what his form is no matter how bad he plays how good he is no matter if he gets injured if he makes mistakes on the pitch whatever happens you see a lot of managers throw their players under the bus you see a lot of managers protect their players in the press conferences you know to so that the confidence remains the confidence increases and the manager has to believe in in his players and if of course he knows that alfonso davies is better than mingueza he knows that um, you know they two they two are not in the same league there's no competition but he has to motivate the players to try to try harder to get to that level he is a young player he's from lamasi there are already a lot of expectations and we know how mingesa came out last season out of thin air he didn't even know mingesa he did not play well for the barca b team as it's, uh, you know as it's um, you know mentioned last year also but he was forced to start because we had no options and he played so well Uh, and we you know just it was a blessing for us mingesa coming in and to treat him this way it's utterly disrespectful of course with pjanic also you cannot uh, i get that um, he he was not one of the players that kuman wanted because of course it was uh, he came before uh, when bartomeu was there kgs edian was there when artur pjanic deal took place the swap deal that weird swap deal and uh, Oh, I get that he was not in Kuman's plan, but the manager should have said that with you not in my plans, and you should look for a new club, and you could have gone by January only. You shouldn't have to wait till the summer, till rather after the transfer window closed, uh, where you know for most of the countries, but for the Turkish and so Russian countries, it was still open. Then he was. Uh, you know then he kind of found a club for himself so that shouldn't have happened in the first place but coming back to the mingwesa point it should not have kuman should not have said that it was utterly disrespectful it was a shambolic statement you have to back the players we talk about mentality uh, when you know valverde societal what it is uh, kuman says this is what we have to offer luis enrique said if you the psg game uh, that famous comeback la remontada uh, that if they if they can score one we will we will score six and look at what happened it's it's all about the mentality so i would say kuman did a very bad thing the way he should have been more mindful in his communication what do you think thomas i obviously agree with that you know i think i don't think he's a good coach a good like good coaches are more um they motivate their players you know uplift their players and kuman is not showing any um any kind of like a proof of that you know he's yeah he is a good man manager he isn't a good yeah, man manager yeah yeah um and yeah he's just showing that between um obviously Pjanic and obviously Ricky Puch as well which is a very very um visible uh thing you can see you know not including him even though his talent is there and in this um obviously Pedri is injured so in um this upcoming game against Granada I hope to see Ricky Puch actually start if he doesn't this is actually some kind of agenda if he starts Sergio Roberto instead of um Ricky Puch and yeah I think it is he's just he's not really that a comp- but Napoli didn't have something to say about these 
Even today, uh, Laporta talked uh, and said some things about Dani Olmo, uh, Paul Pogba and Erling Haaland. He said that uh, Dani Olmo will be his uh, objective the next transfer window. Uh, Paul Pogba is also an option and Haaland would be the dream. But a few days ago, uh, he said a few things primarily about Koeman, which we are going to talk about today. So, Pulkit, uh, why don't you start with this? Yeah, so three days back, of course, uh, after the Bayern game, Koeman uh, received a lot of stick from the media, the fans, everything that, you know, he should leave, he should leave his conservative course and whatever. And uh, there was a board meeting uh, after, just after the game, Laporta stayed back at the camp now, along with Matthew Elmeni and the other board members and stuff. And uh, they decided or rather discussed about Koeman's future and uh, some board members wanted to wanted him to leave right away. Some wanted him to give some time because there are players who are coming back from injury uh, with Fatih coming in probably against Levante. Of course, Dembele, where all these players will be coming in uh, at the end of October or the start of November or something like that. So, some uh, board members want Koeman to have some time uh, you know, evaluate the situation once they have enough sample size and then make a decision. So, for now, the decision is that uh, Koeman has been given the next 3-4 games to alter the situation to play 4-3-3 attacking football, high-pressing modern-day football to start the players in the right position. Maybe we see, do see, like Thomas said, Tricky Butch play tonight, or tomorrow night. Uh, maybe do, we do see a 4-3-3, maybe we do see Demi start, maybe we do see Barca playing better, of course, it remains to be seen. So, we'll see about that what happens. So. That was what uh, was decided, and uh, we'll uh, evaluate the situation and then make a decision regarding um, the Olmo Holland Pogba situation. Of course, there was also news that Olmo has already agreed on a five-year contract with the club. Not sure how or true is that, but uh, of course he is from La Masia. He's one of our own, so he'll definitely fit and for the right price. Um, Let's see if we if we can get him in Jan. Of course, January transfer window is in is rather more expensive than the summer one, and Leipzig are Leipzig are not uh, are not an easy club to negotiate when they're pretty stubborn uh, about their players. And so we'll see what happens regarding uh, Pogba. Of course, he's a good player. He'll be he'll be a good addition to the club, to the team. And uh, although we are really stacked with midfielders, but we'll see. And Haaland, of course, is everyone's dream because Laporta is known for making statements. So he can, uh, if someone can make a statement in the transfer market, it is Juan Laporta with his charisma and his good relationship with Raiola and, uh, you know, his uh, kind of aura altogether. What do you think, Thomas? Well, um, talking about Koeman, how he's given three to four matches um, for, like, you know, to make a... Um, decision regarding his future. Um, I think, like the next game, for example, if we lose against um, Granada, I think it should be. Um, I think Granada in the next game, I think it should be written that he should be sacked. Because even though I don't, I, I don't really like um, the idea of sacking managers mid-season through. I, if if we're gonna continue this way, I don't think it's really good. I don't think it's a good idea to keep a manager that you know that's just dragging us down and like you know not actually fulfilling or following like what is required um to actually stay as a manager like you know for example like this is highly unlikely but if you know he doesn't really like choose the right players and as i did mention before about like you know 
if he doesn't play like the youth. I think um, Balde should be given a chance and um, I think Roberto should be benched. Um, well, other players like, for example, yeah, I think um, he should like Roberto. He should make the right decisions in choosing players rather than like um, suiting invention players like suited to his agenda. So I think that should be um, uh, fixed with him. And yeah, I think we'll see um, in the next couple of games. So back to you, Sagnik. Yeah, as uh, you said, that if we lose against Granada, uh, it is a big enough statement that Ronald Koeman isn't uh, well-equipped tactical-wise uh, to coach Barcelona. But as Polkit said, that the club socios and the members of the club uh, want to give Koeman uh, a long enough chance to see if he can improve uh, with the presence of players like Fati, Aguero and Dembele. But just in case we do sack him, uh, our next topic is who can be the possible replacement. Right now, as of recording the podcast, uh, there's some fresh news about three or four minutes ago, uh, tweeted uh, news given by Xavi Hernandez Navarro, that the candidates to replace Coman in case he is dismissed are Albert Capellas, the only option currently available at the club, Xavi Hernandez, uh, Roberto Martinez with Thierry Henry as his assistant, and Eric Ten Hag. So, we're going to discuss about who we think is going to be the best fit. So, Pulkit, uh, what's your opinion? Well, sacking a manager in mid-season, we saw how it worked uh, during Valverde set, the Valverde City and Erardin Tree. And I agree with Thomas that uh, we should not be going down this path because it's never good for the club. Because there is all, there, already we are in a transition period. Sacking, of course, Koeman, we all can agree, I think that he's not the right man for the job. But when you're in transition and you're already dealing with a coach who is adopting to the whole situation, and then you change a coach mid-season, it's a recipe for disaster. Having said that, um, Roberto Martinez, of course, will not be available before the World Cup, which is December 2022. So he will not be basically available until 2023. Xavi Hernandez, I'm not sure whether the clause still exists in his contract uh, that you know he can leave for Barcelona anytime he wants, but I don't think he also will be able to leave his club mid-season. I don't know what the Qatar league or uh, how it, it's structured and when will it end. Um, and uh, so I and Eric Ten Hag also, Ajax will not uh, be able to release their manager mid-season because he's a great manager. And I don't think he'll come. Of course, the best option for us is either of the three I can go with. <laughs> either of the three, I can't choose how much. I would rather, because Xavi is inexperienced, I would rather have either Roberto Martinez because he's highly experienced, heavily experienced, or have Ten Hag because he fits the philosophy completely, uh, in my opinion. What do you think, Thomas? Well, obviously, um, my opinion is... Um, this is not like you know in the news right yet, or I don't think Barcelona will be considering his name. Um, but it's going to be Garcia Pimenta, um, who was the ex Barca B um, manager for last season, and I think he's I think he's crucial in um, the development of our youngsters like Gavi, like Ricky Puch, like Collado, um, you know all of our other young players. I think it's important that. Um, he is he should be there for us at least assistant or you know he should be in our um staff um if 
we do want to appoint him. I think he would be perfect for um, the head coach. Um, players like, for, he would start, uh, he would rely on youth more. And uh, he does play good football as like 4-3-3 and like attacking football. But um, obviously you're playing in the Barca B and like the, there's probably like better teams there. And he didn't really get the results that, you know, that you would want to get, but he does play really good football and give him a good squad. And I do think he'll give you the results. And I, I think he, and I don't think he will play like players like Roberto every single day. And I don't think he wouldn't really have agenda towards players like Kuman. Yeah, I think he is um, more of a coach, but obviously um, Albert Capellas is um, also uh, one of our options, um, who is the current academy manager um, of Barcelona. So um, I'm not really sure about uh, much about him. Uh, so yeah, also Roberto Martinez um, in 2023, and he. I'm not really sure about him because um, he did he failed to win with Belgium's golden generation, which is another uh, thing to talk about. But yeah, I think he is a good coach. Also, Eric Ten Hag, um, who is the current Ajax manager, I think he plays wonderful football. We cannot forget the Ajax run he made in 2019, which I think was simply wonderful. And you know, he had a really good Ajax squad. You know. A lot of good youngsters, which is another thing that um, is one of our most important things of Barcelona right now is youngsters. So I think he'll be good for that as well. And obviously, Xavi Hernandez. Um, honest, I do like the idea, but I think it's a bit too early for Xavi to come in here. And obviously, mid-season for these um, managers. I think for the emotional fans, for the fans who are emotional, it's very good. Xavi coming in. I mean, they see like a pep kind of thing happening again. Yeah. What that would happen, it's unrealistic. But uh, there, there are emotions attached to this, uh, yeah. this kind of arrangement. Yeah. yeah. But in my, like, including the coach discussion. On to the next topic, uh, Fatih and Dembele return. Fatih is supposed uh, to return soon against the Levante match, and Dembele uh, will return too uh, after the next international break. So, uh, what do you guys think? How will it impact Coman? You think uh, he will improvise on it because last season he did uh, use Dembele. When uh, the short time he did use Dembele, I think he used him properly, and the only downsides which came were from Dembele's own lack of uh, finishing capabilities. So, uh, what do you guys think? Will it impact Coman in a positive way? Will it uh, be able to prevent his sacking? So, yeah, Pulkit, uh, we'll start with you. So, um, with Fati, of course, uh, started, uh, we've, I think we forgot how good Fati is because we haven't seen him for too long, right? And he's just a joy to watch. So, really, really looking forward to seeing him play. Of course, he'll be eased back into the team. I think he'll play a few minutes, uh, maybe final 10, 15, 10, 15 minutes against Levante next week, next weekend. And uh, then, of course, we'll, he'll be eased into it. Um, then there is a conundrum, isn't it? You know, because he plays a few games and he gets injured. And uh, I, I, as we mentioned, he's inconsistent on the pitch. He lacks finishing. He lacks ball control because of his pace and everything. And um, because I have a Demi bias, so I would actually seeing Demi play. He's so mature. He has ball control. He has pace control. He runs in behind. He looks for the runs. He tracks back to defend. He cuts through the defense very well. I think I still would rate Demir a little higher. I think I'll get a stick from the fans because I'm being a little harsh on Dembele, which I am. 
but uh, i still reach demi a little higher because i've seen him sleep a little more a little better and i think i haven't seen dembele play for a while uh, so i would rather have demi ahead of dembele but dembele brings a lot to the pitch of course and i hope that this time this time he can be consistent and not get injured because if he is inconsistent or gets injured this time i think he'll be sold in the next transfer window what do you think thomas Well, um, I think uh, these two players coming back would um, 100% benefit Kremen because Kremen rates them highly and obviously Dembélé, you know, he said many times that um, Dembélé is very important to him and I think on like, I'm pretty sure Kremen would play him on the right-hand side um, this year, uh, like last season as well. Um, it would bring more uh, width and like pace on the right-hand side, we get more um, the speed that, you know, we were missing a bit, you know, so I think that is... Uh, important in Dembele that we get Fatih is there's no need to talk much about Fatih because we know like who he is and what he is so I think he would 100% save um Kumin's job if Kumin is actually as serious is if he's actually doing anything serious this time so yeah um that's all I got to say about um Fatih and Dembele returning so uh I'll return back to you Yeah, uh, like any world-class coach or any coach at all would love to have a player of Dembele's profile in his team. Thomas Tuchel in a previous interview was asked uh, which who was the most talented player he had ever coached. He said uh, Ousmane Dembele in a heartbeat and even Koeman rates him highly. We saw him use Dembele a lot when he was available. So yes, both Dembele uh, Dembele will definitely fit into the right wing position and maybe give uh, Demir, uh, maybe alternate with Demir uh, in matches so as to not directly give him a full time pressure uh, maybe he will play uh, halves uh, because he is injury prone and we don't want him back in the hospital again and when Fatih comes back uh, we will have a uh, Fatih Memphis and Dembele front three but here is where it comes with Komen we all know his bias his dutch bias if we see that even after having memphis uh, fatih and dembele he still plays luke diong over any one of them then we'll know that this man is too far gone because of course he is his agendas are just too strong and luke diong all fans would agree he was bought in place of griezmann not as a direct replacement for him to play on the field but because a player with griezmann's wages on the bench would look uh, worse than a player with luke diong's wages on the bench that's what luke diong was brought for a uh, not really a first team uh, starter player he doesn't he sadly doesn't have that much of uh, skill uh, skills or prowess but yes he is a solid solid backup but if we see that coman starts him over uh, any of those three when all three of them are available that will say a lot about him so uh that's what i have to say moving on to another one of the players whom uh coman supports very much who coman uses a lot sergio roberto but the fan base really really hates uh sergio roberto cried uh on the night of bayern versus barcelona in the dressing room coman and pk both defended him by saying that he didn't have anyone to pass uh in the front plus his performance wasn't really that bad in my opinion we even uh, uh holded uh, we even held a poll on the instagram page in which majority of the fans voted that the treatment of 
the other fans towards Roberto whistling at him was very unjustified and too reactionary because in my eyes he didn't even have a bad match i would even go on to say he had a good performance not really in the defense but uh, in progression i think he was one of the best players we had on the field uh, but yes what do you guys have to say thomas we'll start with you um i would like to disagree with saying he had a good performance i think he had a I wouldn't say good. I wouldn't say average. I think he had like a five out of ten, six out of ten performance. Nothing impressive. Um, but yeah, I think the fan fan treatment. I think it was more related to his contract situation rather than his performance. But I think it could be uh, both of them. But I think um, either way, the fans should not actually um, do that because he is still our player. And um, I think as Barcelona fans, we should actually um, be more supportive of our players, um, regardless of what they. Um, I am what you know what the situation is, and you know we have to be more supportive because this just you know kind of just brings down the confidence, just like what Kuman does uh, did to in that um, interview uh, with Mingoza and uh, Sergio Roberto. So I think you know it just it's not really a good thing, and you know it keeps a bad image of Barcelona. Um, what the fans are doing there. Um, so yeah, that's my opinion. Um, so I want to see what Pulikit uh, wants to say about it. Well, the treatment was uh, harsh, of course. Um, um, shouldn't have done that. I think it it was more of for not just the performance, but uh, regarding the reach cut also because he still hasn't taken one, although he's very close to take taking one. Uh, the agreement is yet to be finalized. So I think it was a combination of the two, uh, and like PK defended him that uh, right back is not his natural position, but he still plays there. And uh, like I agree with the two of you, he had decent performance, and uh, the treatment was ra- ra- rather harsh. It shouldn't have happened. Yeah. So yes, and Coman really uh, didn't have uh, much choice uh, uh, other than to defend Roberto because he has stuck with him for a long time. And uh, though I personally believe that uh, right back is of course not his position, so uh, Dest was out. Coman really didn't have much of a choice, and Roberto didn't even perform bad. Even under normal circumstances, if he uh, dropped that performance, uh, it would be completely unjustified. But we're gonna move on to the next topic about the injuries we have sustained after the Bayern match. Uh, it's Pedri, one of our most uh, a total workhorse, Pedri. He is out with a muscular injury in his quadriceps. It's on his left thigh and he will be uh, out for around 10-12 days as of recording this podcast. And as for Jordi Alba, he has a femoral biceps injury in his right thigh. He will be out for 3 or 4 weeks. So what it translates to, what changes we could see in the squad. Uh, let's start with you, Pulkit. Well, Pedri, child labor, right? So uh, good for him to rest for a couple of weeks uh, around that time and uh, Alba of course is aging and uh, he is already more prone to injury than others and uh, of course we'll move on to the Granada game after this uh, but I really based, just basing it on uh, uh, a few minutes of performance I would really love for Balde to start uh, for the Granada game and uh, until Alba comes back uh, to give him that game time and really uh, give him that chance to really establish himself as the successor to Alba because we all know that fullbacks is in the transfer market there's, there, are, there aren't any good fullbacks it's very hard to get fullbacks these days 
and um, having already sold kukureya juan miranda and all these uh, so we we don't have much of a choice uh, so and we saw how good balde is we seen uh, for barca b and we have seen against bayern also he has tons of pace he um, understands how to play and uh, he is he has shown good quality and i think he can maintain that so would love to see him and uh, i still think because it's common in place of pedri he will not play pooch we all know that no that definitely not definitely uh, not no thought like, almost also was saying earlier that i feel that he hopes to see pooch in the starting lineup but and uh, you know as long as kumar is in charge i don't think we will see that uh, we just saw that uh, nico has been called up for the b team but gabi hasn't for tomorrow's game so uh, uh, so gabi i think will uh, get start ahead of pooj uh, and we might also see coutinho in that uh, position uh, just behind the striker so we're really hoping to see pooj um, and balde that's the dream to start in place of uh, pedri and alba but we, i think we'll see gabi and um, balde realistically so yeah what do you think thomas uh well i think um pedri's injury it's um not good for us um but yeah uh, three to four weeks out um does hit us but also opens up a lot of possibilities for other um midfield um talents to um shine and jump in to his place even though i think it's um, unlikely that they would take his place but we would be seeing um extended minutes to um players like gavi um and especially gavi um i think is going to be um uh, excellent if he gets his minutes um i hope he does start um as well as pooch um or even uh nico but i think nico is uh, more of a defensive midfielder but yeah and obviously alba's injury um it's going to be out for a significant amount of time i think balde should start and i think he will i think kuman is impressed with um balde um playing obviously you know he did play him in that bayern match so i think I think it it shows enough that I think um Kuman would be starting him in the match against um uh Granada otherwise we could be seeing um maybe Dest at left back which he did try last um uh, season and probably might be playing Roberto at uh, right back even though um Roberto uh, is he wants to play as a midfielder so um go back to you Saknik Yeah, uh as for me I pretty much agree with what what the two of you said. We are going to move on to our Bayern uh, to our uh Granada match lineup predictions and score predictions. Uh Sport reported earlier that we w- we might see a front three of Coutinho, Memphis and Luke De Jong in the match which in my opinion is not good uh viewing from at any angle. what wouldn't i give for demir to start and maybe i wouldn't be against luke deong starting against ronada because number one ronada isn't really that strong of a team and he does uh, need minutes to slot into the team uh, luke deong looked very tired in the bayern match from uh, the 10th minute itself so maybe he was very fatigued that match uh, to begin with so he does deserve another chance to try and slot into the team to fit into the philosophy the movement 
we must give it to him maybe not full time but yes he does deserve some minute uh, some minutes as for cutino i would not like him at left wing at all he uh, maybe as a central attacking midfielder if coman has uh, coman said that he has big plans for cutino this season right so maybe he will think of something with cutino maybe he has some plans uh, for him so yes in my opinion i uh, for the lineup i think we're going to see uh, balde at left back because he did impress last match and a uh, 4-3-3 formation definitely a standard defense of araujo pk maybe garcia subbed in at right back i'm not really sure uh, who it will be uh, maybe dest uh, he's probably fit right maybe dest will start at right back as for the midfield yeah, uh, he uh, completed the year training yeah 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 he's uh, I think Dest will start at right back and Busquets uh, Frankie De Jong and as for the replacement for Pedri it could be um it could be uh, Gavi or uh, Puj if I I don't think Puj will start but it would be a good call to start him but yes it uh, will be Gavi I think and for the front three uh, I think it will be uh, Memphis uh, Luke De Jong for some time at least and Yusuf Demir and also I think if uh, Coutinho has to be played maybe he is subbed on for Gavi later on in the game so pull ke- uh, and the scoreline I think uh, we will be able to cl- uh, keep a clean sheet against Granada I will go ballsy and say we're going to win 3-0 so Pulkit what about you Good one, good one. I would say I'll I'll little uh, the score line would be for me to nil. Uh, and the lineup only one change uh, from your lineup. I would have uh, the back line as Garcia and Araujo in central de- defense. Uh, Balde and Dest as as fullbacks uh, and midfield and front three remain the same. So I would have uh, both the Lamas here players as the you know, central defense for me. Ara- Araujo and Garcia. Now the rest, and I also agree with you that uh, in place of Gavi, we might so, might see Coutinho coming on as a sub. We might see Coutinho start also, uh, but uh, I would rather have Gavi start in that Pedri role. And yeah, so that's for me. And two nil for us. Okay, so Thomas, what about you? Uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna um, talk about this in Kuhn's perspective and what he would start. Um, pro, uh, most likely lineup is going to be obviously. Keeper is going to be Tostegan, and the left back. I think, um, according to Gabriel Sands, um, Balde is the current favourite. Um, just so right now, Balde is the current favourite to be left back. My centre back pairing, and I think Cumin's preference would be um, Pique and Araujo, and obviously right back um, is going to be Sergio Dest in the midfield. Um, in the single pivot, I think it's going to be Sergio Busquets uh, with um, Frankie De Jong. On the other side of the midfield with um, Kuman, I think he most likely would start Sergio Roberto, um, but I would most li- I would want to see Ricky Puch or maybe even Gavi play um, in the attack. Kuman, um, just like um, it said, uh, it's most likely going to be Coutinho, Luke De Jong, and Memphis uh, Memphis Depay. And honestly, um, I do not want maybe Luke can start because we're playing in a four-two-three, so the, the system and how we're going to play is going to be much more different. So I guess Luke will. Luke will come in a bit more handy, um, but obviously I do not want him to be there. So I'd like to have um, Demir in instead of him, and putting um, Memphis in the centre or maybe even Coutinho. So and match prediction for me, I think we'll win two nil. Um, like Bulgid said, um, keep a clean sheet, uh, hopefully, and I think yeah, two nil win for us. Okay, so yeah, a very optimistic outlook for all three of us for the Granada match. 
so that's going to be it for this episode guys we will see you again on the night of the match during the match in our live watch along don't forget to join us there so yes uh, we're going to uh, head out for this episode and we will see you soon for sa barsa vikal barsa thank you for joining us